Hi, this is Ellie Fishman, and welcome to part two of our talk on artificial intelligence and the standard of care. And I left off last time mentioning the importance of the FDA, that the FDA has been fairly aggressive in proving applications, and just some of them would include early detection of intracranial bleeds, pulmonary embolism detection, pneumothorax detection in both plain films as well as CT, and skeletal trauma beginning with the wrist and moving on from there. Now, if you look at the early trends of FDA approval, and this hasn't changed much, commonly it's a limited scope of application. So instead of saying you need to be able to detect fractures in every bone, simply doing the wrist would be good enough. Also, improved triage. So for example, we're not saying that the patient has a definite bleed, but we're suspicious it's a bleed, and please read this first. Okay, when you look at it further, of course, the applications have higher accuracy than the radiologist in detecting bleed, but at a minimum, it wouldn't change accuracy, let's say, but it would change the speed of moving something from the back of the list to the front of the list, which might be 40 or 45 minutes. And again, many of the apps, although some of them are from GE and Siemens, most of them are from small companies that are really one-horse ponies. They have one application, and they're trying to build or sell a company based on that. Now, as I mentioned previously, and as we've discussed previously, a lot of the FDA work has gone into triage. And it's very important because what the FDA is saying is we want to get AI in your hands early so we don't need it to be where it's perfect and it's going to replace the radiologist, but let's get it in there where it's going to help the radiologist and even in triage situations rather than in reading only, but triage, maybe we can get the radiologist to understand and the clinicians to understand how it can be helpful and perhaps that'll be our Trojan horse to get it into practice. Now, in terms of applications, it's constantly changing what things are approved. Literally, things seem to be approved every week or so. This past week, the application by Pearl for using AI to detect um, cavities and all sorts of dental problems was approved by the FDA. So it's constantly changing, and this is a link that allows you to figure out where things are in the process. And just to show you, this was just a, a look at the some of the original apps and you could see how much of them were in radiology and how much were they in the uh, ER setting, for example. When you look at the FDA-approved apps, you could look at it by company name. Probably what you'll do is look at it more like abdominal imaging. What can I find in abdominal imaging? Liver surface nodularity, prostate, briefcase, which is brain, um, or chest imaging, what can I find there? Single lung CAD, for example, or um, nines measure. So you can see, you can look at things many different ways. And let me just look at a few things as kind of a teaser. This was one of the earlier apps that was accepted, and this was simply to detect distal radial fractures. Now you're gonna say, oh my goodness, a distal radial fracture, who needs help there? But in many places, there aren't radiologists, and you have the ER docs, and they're not very good. And this improved the accuracy of ER docs. The software marked the location of the fracture on the image to aid the provider in detection and diagnosis. And yes, it is clear that it's an adjunct tool, and it's not intended to replace a clinician's review of the radiograph or his or her clinical judgment. And this is the FDA statement, but you could see it's used 
to um, basically help the clinician when they don't have any more expertise in place. We then look at things like this approval for AI doc for looking at detection of intracranial hemorrhage to triage the patient to the front of the list. And what basically happens is you're a teleradiology company, you're in a busy hospital, till you get to a case could take 30 to 60 minutes. What this does is every head CT non-contrast, it looks for the presence of blood. If it finds blood, it moves it to the front of the list. Again, you're going to have to read the case anyway. It's not adding more work for you. It's just reorganizing when the work gets done. What's the worst that case that can happen? The AI makes a mistake and says, this may have a bleed and you find no bleed, but you have to read the case anyway, so there's no harm done. Uh, other cases, you know, it's been shown that not only can you triage the patients, but the accuracy is so high that in many cases, the clinicians actually will have missed the blood. And this briefcase works very nicely. And again, the device does not alter the original medical image and is not intended to be used as a diagnostic device. And so for the radiologist, there's your work list and uh, AI doc gave me these slides, so I'd like to thank them. Um, but you can see, you know what to look at first. It makes it very, very efficient. And there's been several articles talking about this. In uh, this article, we report promising results of a scalable and clinically pragmatic deep learning model, tested a large set of real-world data from high-volume medical institutions. The model holds promise for assisting clinicians in the identification and prioritization of exams suspicious for intracranial hemorrhage, facilitating both the diagnosis and treatment for an emergent and life-threatening condition. And it's just a beautiful way of doing things. It's hard to argue what's the downside of having this. And many hospitals are buying it because it sounds really good to the patient. And the truth is, it is good. But then look at its accuracy. Specificity, 99% sensitivity, 95 and accuracy, 98. Those numbers are indeed impressive. And people have written articles showing that it's actually better than radiologists. And when you look at the practical nature of this article by Laughlin, the uh, turnaround time was reduced in the month following AI implementation among all categories of head CT. Overall, there was a 24.5% reduction in turnaround time and a slightly greater reduction of 37.8% in all ICH positive cases, suggesting that the positive cases were indeed prioritized. So it is working in practice. And again, here's just another look at what you're going to see. And of course, the fact not only does it show you the bleed, as I mentioned, it's AI finding the bleed, though the main app, its approval, is for triage. But it's showing you why it triaged it to the front of the list. And if you're going to miss that bleed, you're now going to see it. And again, this article by Ku, again, uh, looking at head CTs with a neural network, uh, comparing radiologist performance with that of AI. And you can see that the performance of the computer was better than two of the four radiologists, which is indeed pretty impressive. Now, other things, again, looking at things where you need rapid turnaround, pneumothorax. So the FDA approved this product from Zebra for detecting pneumothorax on, on x-rays. And then GE also got approval. And what GE did, they built it into their portable machine. So what would happen would be is someone gets a portable x-ray, the x-ray is done, 
and the computer looks for a pneumothorax. If it finds a pneumothorax, it calls somebody, okay? Again, this could drastically cut the average review time from up to eight hours. A 12 o'clock study, 12 o'clock being midnight, may not be read till the morning. Well, now if it said pneumothorax, someone's going to read it very quickly. And this indeed can improve care and in fact, in some cases, be life-saving. A prioritized, prioritized <laughs> stat x-ray can sit waiting for up to eight hours. Again, this becomes very, very important. Again, improving care by managing the workflow list. And then, of course, there are other apps, and I can't go through all of them. Uh, AI Doc got a PE app from CT. And again, this is a very strong app with high sensitivity and specificity. And again, this could be very valuable in the ER setting or just the hospital setting in general. The ability to triage patients and take care of acute processes such as bleed, pneumothorax, and PE will largely benefit the health system, improving patient care and reducing costs. In the end, our mission is to care for our patients. And if AI can improve it, we will need to adopt it with open arms. And this article by Weisberg et al. made that point very, very nicely. Now, here's an article by Duran, and this was an impressive article looking at misfractures, which are very common, even in the best of hands. And what they looked at was the performance of AI system designed to aid radiologists and ER physicians in detection and localization of appendicular skeletal fractures. And in their hands, the AI provided a gain in sensitivity of 8.7% and specificity of 4.1% without affecting speed. And again, the speed thing is going to be important because if AI slows you down 50% or 25% or 10%, you're not going to use it. In their study, six radiologists and six ER docs were asked to detect and localize fractures uh, with or without the aid of software. Aided and unaided sensitivity, specificity, and reading times were compared. And what they found was, again, as I mentioned, AI provided a gain in sensitivity, specificity, and did not take any longer. So you can imagine what's the downside of using AI. If it's only going to be helpful and it's not going to cause any time for you, this is going to be just tremendous. And their conclusion, we showed that a deep learning algorithm aided ER physicians and radiologists in improving their diagnostic performance and boosting their time efficiency in the localization of all appendicular bone fractures on plain radiographs. Okay, very, very simple. And you can see that, as they mentioned, this bodes well for helping physicians cope with increasing workloads more efficiently and an evaluation in future prospective studies, of course, will be needed to prove this. They did mention some of the problems with their study, which is always going to be a problem with AI. And the only way to get around biases or a Hawthorne effect are going to be to test things many different places with many different readers. And that indeed is being done. Other recent apps have looked at chest CT for detecting major thoracic diseases on chest radiographs. Also, a lot of work being done for detecting uh, abnormalities on CT, a lot of work around COVID. In this article um, by Wang, their algorithm on chest disease outperformed radiologists, including thoracic radiologists, 
in this discrimination of chest radiographs with major disease, demonstrating its potential to improve quality and efficiency of clinical practice. And what you could see in their article, again, outperforming physicians. Now, we don't like to say that a computer could be better than us, but it may happen. It's going to help us do better. We'll be involved, but it's really going to be the world's best second reader next to you. And this study had a lot of different pathologies from malignancies to infection to pneumothorax. So again, a really good study design. And again, um, several things also are being done in this article, other articles. Um, DeepMind in London has uh, been able to work with radiologists there where the backlog is 8 to 12 months. The computer is so accurate in saying normal versus abnormal, what you could potentially do and what they've started is to say all the normals, like, like a normal pap smear, comes out machine read normal. If something's abnormal, then it goes to the radiologist who reads it, has less images to read, and so Co can spend more time and potentially do better. So again, a very good strategy in that regard. Um, there are many different things. This article by Rucker, this retrospective proof of concept study, uh, looked at 105 shock room whole body scans, and they found that they were able to pick up incidental findings that would have been missed. Again, you're in the ER setting, you're looking for the organ injuries, the vascular injuries, all the things that will affect the patient's life, but you miss things from coronary plaque to dilated aorta, a lot of things you can miss, but the computer is finding those for you. So again, increased efficiency, increased accuracy. And so they felt that um, this was going to be a good way in clinical settings without 24-7 ER coverage or long turnaround times for radiology reporting, AI is going to be outstanding. And we agree with that 100%. But even in places which have coverage, I think AI is going to be very critical. Um, one of the things, of course, is follow-up care. AI can be built in if you see a lung nodule, an adrenal lesion, um, or anything else to make certain that the patients are followed up. They could make sure it doesn't, the, the uh, distance between the radiologist and the ER doc or the referring doc is bridged. And also to make certain that the referring doc, after they know about it, actually acts on it. All of these things, these alerts, something AI can do very well. Think about Alexa from Amazon, how it can tell you what studies you need to do, it can tell you what drugs you need to take, when's your medication time. Again, many of these repetitive tasks, computers can do very, very well. Now, one of the things uh, we mentioned in this article by Mulek, in the future, AI systems will likely get continuous or frequent updates of their global models while being able to maintain the specialized training that allows a general model to be broadly applicable within a narrow subgroup or community. Now, what that means is, you know, when you get a scanner, usually it doesn't change until you buy a new scanner. Maybe there's a few software updates, things like that. But AI to do really well is going to have to change. So it's based on 100,000 cases, but don't you want your algorithm updated based on 300,000 cases or then 3 million or then 30 million? So the algorithms for AI are going to be living, breathing applications, not something just stamped in stone. So that's going to be very important how we deal with that.
Now, one thing I'll end with, and this was a great article, because we always see where they say the computer's not that accurate because they expect 100%. If the radiologist is 80% sometimes or 70%, they say that's great. So it's really interesting. We're willing to give people more slack than we are radiologists. Uh, so one of the things we really need to do is kind of really think this a little bit better. If you tell me a radiologist is 80% accurate and the computer is 90%, the computer is better. The computer does not need to be 100%. Yes, we would like it to be 100%, but it doesn't need to be 100%. If you're 80 and the computer is 90, the computer will do is doing great things. So again, you have to be realistic. This mistrust for computers really is probably something that's not going to help anybody. Again, computers have to be better. If I'm 80% and the computer is 80%, perhaps there's no value. Unless you tell me, like we saw this with a vert colon, computer's 80, so I miss 20. The computer misses 20. I'm 80, so I miss 20. But it ends up the computer and the radiologist miss different things. So while I'm 80, the computer's 80, together we're 90. So again, how we use the computers will become very important. And again, we want things tested and trained and checked, modified. We don't want another fiasco with electronic health records where basically we're still using all the systems we designed, all of the epics of the world that everybody hates. You Maybe you hate it a little bit less now and you can't get around it. We want to make sure AI is appreciated, understood, and everybody wants it and it's designed in a way which makes it easy. Again, as I mentioned, if it takes 20 minutes for an AI system to look at a study, if it slows down the radiologist, it's not going to work. It needs to be done instantly so when the radiologist gets the study off the PACS list, the AI information is already there. And again, AI will change care. AI will be most effective when it enhances physicians' ability to focus their full attention on the patient by shifting the physician's responsibilities away from transactional tasks toward personalized care that lies of the heart of human healing. Very well said. We need to put the doctors closer to the patients, and if AI can do it, all the better. Now, again, if you're trying to do AI in your hospital, and this is just in the ER setting, make sure all key parties from radiologists to techs to ER docs to the nursing, administrative staff, everybody's involved. Look at the current challenges. Look at the problems you have and see if AI can be solving one of those problems. If something works real well, perhaps you don't want to chase it right away. But there's many points that don't work well, and that's where you want to put the AI because a win-win situation will get you started in a very, very good way. Now, there are unknowns in AI, and I'm not going to go through them. We don't have time, and I couldn't give you the answer anyway. I could just postulate. Will we get reimbursed? The answer is probably yes for certain things. Again, you could ask a second question. Will the reimbursement be the amount we want? That'll probably be no. Will overall reimbursement increase and decrease? If I'm paying you $100 to read a study, and now the computer comes along, you want 40 for the computer, should I give you 60 and give the computer 40 so it's still 100? Or maybe I should just give the computer 75 and give you nothing so you've gone backwards. Very difficult questions to answer. It's all going to depend on how accurate AI indeed is. The other thing to think about 
nobody mentions it. Well, what if AI, let's say for trauma, becomes so good, 98%, 99% accuracy is better than a radiologist, then the ER doc is going to say, I should be able to read the films myself because I have AI to help me and I'm only going to be the same as a radiologist. Why can't I do it? I have AI to help me. That is going to be the biggest challenge for radiology. You People don't bring this up, but I'll bring it up to you and think about it. If AI is so good, perhaps the studies can be read by the non-radiologists. So in conclusion, I think it's important to look at things are constantly changing. We need to have all the stakeholders involved. Remember the other night I started at the beginning, we had three people. We had an AI expert, we had me as a clinical domain expert, and we had a lawyer who understands the real world and what it takes to get things into practice. I think by getting together, we're working with Microsoft, we're working with NVIDIA, we're working with Google, working with companies that have lots of knowledge, domain expertise. We have domain expertise in the studies. If teams work together, I think AI is going to be better and it's going to come along a whole lot sooner. So with that, I'll stop there. I'll thank you for your attention. And if you have any questions, raise your hands. Oh, wait a minute. This is being recorded. If you have any questions, just email me. And with that, have a great day. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.